0: Does it work? Now, don't confuse my voice with the microphone because I'm so loud anyways, I don't need it. But, for the sake of recording, here we go. Church, it is good to see you this morning. Okay, I'm going to, have to work on y'all. I had the last church busted in. Okay, God is good and you say, Amen. I said, it's good to be in God's house and you say, Amen. Now, there we go. Remember, I'm an old man. I'm an old musician, so I'm partially deaf. So if I say God's good, you guys shout. You, know, you got to yell at me. You got to speak back to the pastor, as we say down south. Now you know this being an installation service, I could have taken a, a, a dip away from our service, away from our passage. I could have done something special to make the pastor look good or sound good. But I don't believe in departing from God's word. Amen. Yeah. I like this side of the room. That's good. Okay. Today, I want to talk about something that may have, on the surface, no application to where we are today. But I want to talk about this, recovering from addiction, living in recovery. I saw this week that Amy Winehouse, who was a British singer, uh, jazz singer, soul singer, was found dead at the age of 27. Can you imagine being 27 years old, a talented singer recognized, acknowledged, and being dead because of addictions. Can you imagine such a thing? Of course you can. Everybody in this room deals with addictions. No amens on that one. You know why? Because it's true. Maybe you were never addicted to drugs, as some of my friends were. Maybe you were never addicted to alcohol, as other of my friends were. But many of us live in an addiction of the mind. You know what I'm talking about. See if these thoughts sound familiar to you. I can't serve God. I am not a good person. I don't matter in the kingdom of God, so why should I try? I am afraid. I can't stand in front of people. I can't teach a Bible study. I can't lead someone to Jesus. Does this sound familiar? These are the excuses why Christians across America say they cannot participate in the ministry of God. You went to New York. Did you go with all the confidence in the world? Did you go believing you were the best witness, the best evangelist? I heard the testimonies given in this church, and you're right. Those testimonies are amazing. But you know what's amazing about those testimonies? It's not about you. It's not about your skills, your gifts, your abilities, or your talents. It's about the God who gives. And can I get an amen on that one? Every believer lives their life like a recovering addict. One day at a time. All of us were born addicts. Now, we all know what crack babies are. We all know that children can be born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Can I get an amen from the nurses? You've seen what fetal alcohol syndrome does to children. Here's the thing about that. All of us are born addicted to sin. And sin is in our brains. It's in our genes. It's in our blood. It's everything that we are. And that's why we need someone to deliver us from that addiction. Today, we're going to talk about recovery. And I want to say this. 1 Peter 1, 13-16. Recovery requires commitment. If you have ever worked with drug addicts or, or recovering alcoholics, the recovery process takes a commitment to recovery. Amen? Amen. Look at what it says. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, in our journey through living in recovery. It says this in the word of God. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Can I get an amen on the word of God? This is just a star. Look at this. Therefore means based on everything that we have looked at. All the passages leading up to this have been talking about this wonderful election that God gives his people. This wonderful calling. Peter begins by saying, I am an apostle. One who is called apart from the world and sent out into the world. Everybody here who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to hear you say, I am a sinner. You know why? You cannot be a sinner. A sinner, by definition of the Greek word, is one who stands opposed to someone else. When you were not saved, before you came to Jesus, you were a sinner. You were opposed to the grace of God. You said, my will be done, not thy will be done. After you get saved, you get a different name. Same letter, S different name. Do you know what you are today, young lady? You are a saint. You know what a saint is? A saint is not somebody who gets recognized by the Catholic Church. That's not a saint. A saint is not somebody who wears funky clothes, big crosses, and gets themselves crucified on Easter Sunday. Been to the Philippines, seen that, didn't do it. Here's the thing. A saint is somebody who has been remade in the image of Jesus Christ. You are a saint. You can never say, I am afraid, I can't, I don't matter, I can't do it. You can't say that. Because it's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ in you. Do you think Ken Tan is an amazing man of God because he studied in seminary? Because he works hard and reads the Bible every day? Is that why Ken Tan is an amazing man? Just say no, because you know it's not. There you go. He's an amazing man of God because Jesus Christ lives in him. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace. Stop right there. Look at these words. Be ready for action. This means a constant state of mental preparation. My friend is a chaplain. and He is in Mosul. He's in Iraq. He has seen what hell looks like. Because he lives there every day. Motor rounds go off 100 yards from his office. He deals with broken men, broken women, broken marriages, broken people every day. The only way he can deal with that is in the morning he wakes up, he gets on his knees He says, Dear God, make me ready to deal with whatever happens today. He has a mental preparation that before he goes out that door, here's a chaplain, He has his flak vest on. He has his helmet on. He has his guard with him because a chaplain can't carry a weapon. So he's got his chaplain assistant carrying an M4 weapon and he is prepared to face whatever God brings to him that day. He just doesn't go to work. He prepares his mind, then he goes out the door. Same thing for all of us. Before you go to work, before you go to school, before you do anything, Dear God, prepare me today to be what I need to be to meet the needs of those around me. Be serious. Christianity is not just on Sunday. It's not just a t-shirt or a cross that you wear. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of being. Gentlemen, we're not husbands just when our wives see us. We don't wear our wedding rings to church and then take them off when we go to work. Now, some of you might. And if you do that... We need to talk. The ring stays on 24-7, 365 until you die or she kills you. Amen? Okay. That's just how it goes. Set your hope. I like what he says here. He says in verse 14, Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Before Jesus, you were ignorant. You know what ignorant means? Ignorant is not stupid. Ignorant means you just don't have knowledge. If you meet somebody and they say, well, I don't really know if I believe in God. I'm agnostic. You know what an agnostic is? Someone that don't know nothing. I'm not picking on them. The word means agnosia, without knowledge. They literally don't know if there's a God or not. That's when we have a great chance to step in and introduce them to Jesus. They don't know, let's introduce them. That's what our job is. I love this. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but, don't just stop there. Don't just stand apart from the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of God is not meant for you to read, fold up, and leave at home. When you go out to work, when you go to school, when you go out on a date, which none of you should be doing because all of y'all are too young for that. You can date after seminary. There you go. Now, Lenny's laughing because he got married before seminary. It's okay. Anyways, you don't just read it. You have to go out and apply it every day. When you're in school, you study how to do accounting or you study how to do engineering or when you're studying to be a nurse, you learn all of the theory. But until you take a patient's arm and you take a needle and you stick it in and you draw out the blood and they don't die, you haven't done anything with your knowledge. The word of God is meant to be used and applied every day. So we don't just stand apart from the world, we are letting ourselves be changed because we take what we read, what we hear in church, what we experience in Sunday school, and we use it, we apply it. I met somebody once, they said, isn't it great this world's a million years old, a billion years old? I said, no it's not. They said, what do you mean it's not? I said, the world's 6,000 years old. He says, that's not possible. I said, well, let's take a look at this. How do you know the world's a billion years old? Well, the PhDs told me so. How do they know? Well, some PhD told them. Was anybody around a billion years ago to saw the earth get born? Well, no. Well, then how do we know the age of the earth? Well, the rocks tell us. Really, i never heard a rock speak. Well, we know that these fossils existed. How do we know that? You see, here's the thing. People who believe that the world is, they're guessing. They don't know. Somebody told them, and they just grab onto that fact. I'm telling you things from the word of God today, but until you take it, and until you use it, till you shape your life around it, it's not going to mean anything to you. It's just words on a page until you start to be transformed and change how you live. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy. The word holy means this, set apart. Just because all your friends wear little bitty tiny miniskirts don't mean you've got to wear little bitty tiny miniskirts, especially my daughter, because that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Guys, just because your friends are going out, getting their ears pierced, getting tattoos that have their girlfriends. I saw a guy once. He had this giant tattoo across his belly of his girlfriend's name. The problem was, he wasn't dating that girl anymore. <laughs> Here's the thing about life. Life leaves scars on you. Be careful how you let life mark you. Because once you change, you're still going to bear the scars of this life. Be careful how you choose to live your life and who you listen to. Because the TV will tell you a lot of things. TV preachers will tell you more things. TV preachers say, well, if you just give $1,000 to the church, brother, well, then God's going to give you 10000 Notice... God's the one that has to pay him back. Not us. We're not responsible. So he gives us money. God doesn't give him anything. Who do we blame? We blame God. I don't like people like that. Because it doesn't say that in the word of God. They just assume it so they say it. Take Micah 4 or 5. For all the peoples of the earth walk in the manner of the name of their God. But we will walk in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever. The very last verse that we read, verse 16 says, Be holy because I am holy. If God is separate, if God has set standards, if God expects us to live it up, then we need to walk in the manner of our God. See, the thing that was attractive about the world is, you can go to some churches and they tell you, no matter what you do, God's going to love you. Is that true? No. It's not true. I can take you to the first church of Satan, On California Street in San Francisco. I went to seminary in San Francisco. I can take you to the birthplace of the Church of Satan. Anton Zander LeVay founded that church. And you know what the rule of the church is? they got one rule. Do whatever you bloody well please. That's the rule of the church. Do anything that makes you happy. If torturing cats makes you happy, do it. If eating fruit makes you happy, do it. If beating people up makes you happy, do it. You see, the world loves that philosophy. You can do anything, and there's no responsibility. There's no consequences, because God's going to accept you anyways. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says, be holy, because I am holy. Now, here comes the addiction again. The addiction is, I can't do it, I'm too weak. I can't do it, I'm not strong enough. I can't do it, I don't know enough about the Bible. That's no excuse. You were born dead You were born with fetal sin syndrome. But Jesus Christ delivered you from that. Now you don't have the excuse to walk in the ways of ignorance. You have to walk like somebody who is brand new. This church has a wonderful history. Can I get an amen from somebody? You had amazing pastors like Ken and Nathan before me. Amen? Amen? But what did I tell you last week? The word of God doesn't change. The man in the pulpit changes. They get shorter and uglier. But the word of God doesn't change. So whether it's Nathan or Ken or me or whoever comes after me in 30 years when I let go of the church. Amen. There we go. It's still going to be God's word. There it is. Romans 12 one says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Singing a song in church on Sunday is not worship. It's a part of worship. Listening to the sermon and not falling asleep is not worship. It makes the pastor feel better, but it's not worship. Being available to God 24-7, 365, being who God meant you to be, that is worship. So worship happens when you leave the door. Amen? Understand, this is celebration. Worship happens out there when you live for Christ every moment. Even when it hurts you. Even when you lose an opportunity because you you choose to stand for Christ. That's when worship really happens. See, every day, every day that you don't give in to Satan, every day that you don't give in to fear, every day that you stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and that he can save you, that's a victory. A drunk who goes to AA... Every day they celebrate that victory. 30 days you get a chip. 45 days you get a chip. 90 days you get a chip. Do you know how I know? Don't ask me. Every day you are delivered. You celebrate that victory. Every day that you follow Christ, every time you share your testimony, every time you give someone a track, every time you say, yes, I believe Jesus is the only way, that's a victory, and you need to celebrate that and remember it. Brings us to our second point. 1 Peter 1, 17-21. Recovery doesn't just require commitment. It requires remembrance. Remembrance. 1 Peter 1, 17-21. And if you address as, Father, the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty walk of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the times for you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He is speaking to people of the religion of Judaism. People who depended upon laws, who depended upon sacrifices of animals, who depended upon money given in church. Sounds like us today. We've had built a religion in America that says, I tithe to my church. God says, so what? Well, well, I give time. I, I visit the poor. I visit the sick. And I do all these wonderful deeds. Okay, so do the Pharisees. So what? Well, I sing in the worship team. I'm a preacher. So what? Those things are the blessings that flow out of a relationship with God. They don't give you a relationship with God. You know what I mean. Just say amen. Okay, take a look at this. He says this, conduct yourselves in fear. Is this fear like shaking and quaking? No. We don't fear our father. Ask my daughter. She doesn't fear me. She has me wrapped around her finger. Got to get an amen for my own child. There you go. Okay. There you go. She doesn't fear me, but she does respect me. If I ask her to do something, she will do it. If I ask her to help me, she will help me. Not because she fears me. She doesn't fear that I'm going to hit her or, or do something to her. She respects me enough to do that. I respect my father who saved me from death, and therefore, out of that, I do what I do. But I also keep myself under control because I respect my father, and I don't want to embarrass him. I wish more pastors were like that, amen? I wish more pastors would get in that pulpit and have a little holding fear of a righteous God instead of opening up their mouths and dumping out the trash from their newest book which has absolutely no purpose whatsoever, but I'm not talking about Joel Osteen, so it's okay. Anyways, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. Remember, Abraham was a sojourner. He was a traveler. He walked through the promised land, but he never inherited the promised land. We walk through the United States of America or the Philippines or anywhere else we happen to be. I, I walked for six years. On on the streets of Taiwan, that was a temporary residence. I've been to Manila more times than I can count. Seven times. That's a temporary residence. I've lived in more states than I can count. No, I can't count that high. But each time I'm there, I'm there for a time, for a season, for a reason. And my reason to be there is to lift up Jesus Christ. Understand that? If you are in school right now, it is temporary. You may not feel like it, but someday school will be over. Thank you, Jesus. You'll be delivered from the Egyptians. You'll be free. Okay. Seminary does come to an end. Praise God. High school comes to an end. Junior high comes to an end. All the suffering of education comes to an end. Okay. You ever had a bad job? I've had a few. Not preaching, but just a few bad jobs. Scooping ice cream. Not a good job. You go home and you got like, never mind, it's all nasty. But it's okay. Here's the thing. Every job you can endure if you're doing it for a reason, for a purpose. He says, conduct yourselves with fear during this time of your temporary residence. Some of these Jews have been dispersed throughout the known world. They were not in Jerusalem. They were not in Bethlehem. They were not where they came from. Right now, most of you are not where you came from. You are not in the Philippines where you were born and raised, the country that you love. But you temporarily reside here for many reasons. Some for education. Some you just wanted a new life for your family, a new life for your children. This is where the work was. That's all good. That's fine. But wherever you are, you're there for a time. What do you do with the time you're here? Now, fear the addiction of fear will tell you, oh, I'm not really from here. I don't speak English well. I really can't explain the Bible well. I'm just going to be quiet and stand over here in the corner and only talk to other Filipinos. That's nonsense. If God is with you, who can be against you? Nobody. Not even a redneck from North Carolina. Can to get an amen from somebody? I know them people. Okay, I pick, I pick up people from the hills because my people are from the hills. And where I live was a lot scarier. Ask my wife. She's been there. You go to church and they got that bottle of cyanide on are handling snakes. And I'm like, uh-oh, wrong church. Go down the street. Y'all don't know about snakes down here, do you? Okay, that's a Kentucky thing. But they have some strange religion up there. Okay. Now, why does he say conduct yourselves that way? He says, for you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life. This word empty really does mean fruitless. Before you got saved, some of you guys that are my age and older, can you remember what your life looked like before you came to Jesus? I can. I didn't come to Jesus till 18. Do you know how much damage you can do in the world in 18 years? A lot. You can do a lot of damage to a lot of people in 18 years. And I have left a trail of bloodshed and bones in my past. And that's what Christ delivered me from. So I have a reason to be joyful. I have a reason to be happy. I have a reason to rejoice that God gave me a clean start. Now, most of y'all were nice people. You are kind, sweet, loving, generous. Just say amen. I'm talking about amen. you. There you go. But whatever you were, no matter how good and sweet and kind, before Jesus, your life was fruitless. It resulted in nothing but pleasure for yourself and death for your soul. A good person without Jesus still goes to hell. Do you realize that? Good people go to hell every day because they have not got a Savior. Because nothing that you can do is good enough to win your way to heaven. All those... All those wonderful saints that that labor away in India and China and they feed orphans and and they take care of babies and they are in AIDS clinics and they wear a priest collar or a nun's habit and they go there religiously and do that work. Do you know that without Jesus, they go to hell? doesn't matter how good your work is. It doesn't matter how many people you help unless the blood of Christ is on your heart you go to hell. That's the real world, not the fantasy world that America has created. God's not going to save everybody. Only those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your friends in school. All those friends in school that you went to school with, if they don't know Jesus, you will not see them in eternity. I don't say that to depress you. I don't say that to make you sad. I say that to make you realize our job is important. And our job is to introduce people to the Savior so that, like us, they have a hope in eternity. Redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers. Many of us went to church as young kids to whatever church our parents took us to. Amen? My wife's family were Buddhist. And they wanted to drag her off to the temple to burn incense and make, as the Chinese say, bye bye, to worship the ancestors. When my wife got saved and started going to Christian school, she had to fight not to be dragged off to the temple, not to be dragged off into pagan religion. And her family resented her for that. But she had to stand her ground. That's why she married me. If she could stand up to her own mama, she could sure stand up to me. Gonna amen from somebody. Okay, here's the thing you got to have that kind of strength to stand up for Jesus. If it means standing against your own mother to stay faithful to Christ, that's what you have to do. And that strength only comes from the cross of Christ. It only comes from there. We inherit nothing from our parents but religion, but Jesus would give us life and relationship. We were not redeemed by perishable things like silver and gold given to a church or invested in a pilgrimage, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Of course, this is the Passover lamb that is celebrated every year in Judaism. This is the blood of the lamb that was put upon the household of every Israelite in Egypt when the death angel went by, and the death angel claimed every firstborn child in whose home there was no blood. Fathers, I'm talking to you. You better lift up Jesus in your home. There better be blood on your door. So that your children know their safety is not from you. Their safety is not from your shotgun. Although that keeps the boys away. Their safety is from Jesus Christ. And you better lift him up, dads. You better be the one to lift him up. Because your children, ain't going to listen to me. They're already sleeping. But they're going to listen to you when they see in your life that he changes who you are. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. That lamb was chosen before the foundation of the world. John 17, 24 says this, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory, that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. God loved us so much that even before creation, he chose to sacrifice his son. The second half, second third of the Trinity He chose to sacrifice him before we even came into existence because he knew there would be a need to redeem us from our own stupidity. Isn't that amazing that God loved you so much? Before you were born in the Philippines, before you were born in North Carolina, before you came into the world, it was already established that your redemption was bought and paid for. That's the amazing thing about our life in Christ. Go to Islam, go to Buddhism, go to all these other religions, and it's what you do. It's how many church services you go to, it's how much money you give, it's how many pilgrimages you take. That's what buys your salvation. But in Jesus Christ, your salvation is bought and paid for. Now you need to live like somebody who's got eternal life. Everyone who knows you should know you're a believer. Even without you whipping out a Bible, without you spouting scripture, they should know you're a believer because within you is the confidence of a living and holy God. Believe me, people know I'm a preacher long before I tell them. You know how I know that? They go, I knew what you were. How did you know? You're loud. I said, praise God. I like being loud because I'm deaf. That's okay. I got an excuse. All right. Let's press it on. Let's press it on one more time. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 22-25, and we're finished up today. See, I love that you don't have a clock in the back that I can see. I know it's back there. I just don't look at it. My last church had a clock, and it would start flashing at you when you got too long. I can't even see that one, so I could go all day long. Never mind. 1 Peter 1, 22-25, recovery requires one more thing. It requires a sincere purpose. Go to any 12-step program. Hi. My name is Richard. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Richard. I'm a drug addict. Hi, my name is Richard. I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. You have to have a purpose to enter into recovery. When you came to Jesus Christ, you didn't walk down the aisle and take the preacher's hand because your mama kicked you out of your seat. At least I hope that's not why you came down. If you did come down for that reason, we need to talk because that may not be too good. But hopefully you came down because there was a movement in your heart that says, I need Jesus. I am not good enough. I am not going to go to heaven without him, and I need to accept him as Lord and Savior. says this, By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable Through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. This is for young people. Young people, today I want you to celebrate one thing. Today when you look in the mirror, this is the best looking you're ever going to be. And this is the youngest you're ever going to be. And for most of you, this is the skinniest you're ever going to be. Because from here, it's all downhill. Older people look in the mirror for the same reason. This is as young as you're ever going to be. And from here, it's all downhill. But it's good. It's a good thing. Life moves on. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It matters that we celebrate every day. In Christ. Every day. Let me just give you this. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Underline that. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? He left his paradise in heaven and came to Judea. You think it's hot in Raleigh? Sweetheart, Judea is like 130. Iraq's like 140. Because my friend said you just walk outside and you don't even get sweaty. The water just leaves your body and you dry up. It's kind of like SpongeBob coming up out of the water. (laughs) Nothing, you know, it's all gone. You know, that's what it's like in that part of the world. It's always hot. You're always dry. You're always thirsty. It's dusty and miserable. Why would the God of glory leave and come live in a place like that? Because that's what it took to redeem us. So love them. As I've loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I told you, you don't have to say I'm a Christian. You don't have to be as loud as me. But when you genuinely love people, you will blow their minds. People are used to saying, okay, why is this person being so nice to me? You know, if you're a girl, right? and a guy is really nice to you, what's the first thing you assume? He wants something. If your husband says, oh, honey, you look so pretty today, what do you want? You know what I mean? We're suspicious by nature. That's who we are. If you're a kid and your parents say, oh, honey, I love you so much. You're the best. Dad, what do you want me to do? That's how it goes. Imagine this. Imagine if we were kind Sweet, loving, generous, and encouraging to everybody and ask for nothing. You blow their heads right off their shoulders. They won't know what to do with that. Because that's not the way the world is. But that's how Christ is. Why are you always so nice? Why are you always so hopeful? Why do you have a smile on your face? What do most of us say? Oh, I have a good life. No, that's not why you're smiling. It's because Jesus saved you. That's why you're smiling. God gave you a new spirit, a new heart, a new soul, a new destiny. That's why you're smiling. That's why you're hopeful. That's why when the economy tanks and the thermostat goes to 130, we can still be joyful because God is still on the throne and we have eternity before us. And that's the love we need to give to each other. You know, you can go to any church, any huge church, giant church in Raleigh, North Carolina and they have air conditioning and they have 100 people in the choir and they have a giant daycare service and they have concerts and trips and things and you go there and you go, wow, this church has got everything. But you go there one month and you suddenly realize nobody knows who you are, nobody cares and nobody would notice if you were gone. That's what's missing from the modern church. Genuine love and care for each other. Genuine desire to build a relationship and to get to know each other. That's the one thing we can never lose, church. Amen? We have to continue to love and encourage each other. It's so important. In the days of the Roman Empire, when they were torturing and killing Christians, the Roman historians always wrote one thing. He says, you know, today they they killed another hundred Christians in in the Colosseum. But it's so strange how they love each other even in death. The Roman historians couldn't understand why the church facing lions, facing torture, facing death, how they could continue to cling to and love each other. But that's what separates people of faith from people of religion. Religion is all about me. Religion is about getting God's blessing for me. Faith is about serving a holy God. Amen? Almost done. Hang in there now. I know I'm long-winded. But I'm trying to cut it down to less than two hours. I'm making, I'm making an effort at it here. So, he says this. Okay, where'd it go? It said, not a perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God, for all flesh is like grass. He says, even though the world is passing away, even though we are perishing and we're getting older, you ever notice that people, as they get older and uglier, they get cranky? Have you ever noticed that? I'm like, why are you worried? Oh, my dress size went up, my shoe size went up, my hairline went back. And, <laughs> and, and you're worried because why? We know as Christians, life ends. And eternal life begins the second life ends, amen? We get to live forever. Now, abundant life begins the second you accept Christ. The second you have hope in Christ, abundant life, joyful life begins. It fills us. But eternal life starts when you, crop, when you drop dead. And that's a good thing. I know when I'm 105 and I'm preaching my last great sermon and hundreds are being saved by the power of Christ, I'm going to sit down in the chair and just croak right there. That's how I want to die. I want to preach the best sermon of my life, see hundreds saved, sit down and go up to Jesus. That's how I want to go. What better place than in God's house can you be delivered up into glory? But that's how I want to live. I want to live a life that's useful for Christ. He says, we should love one another earnestly. Let me ask you a question. Look around you right now. Tell me five people that are missing from the church today. Take a second, look around. Who's missing today? Now think about this for a reason. I want to start two things in this church. I want to start two things. I want to start a prayer list. We started at the mighty men's meeting yesterday. I want a prayer list so that every week I have got a list of every prayer concern in the church so that one, I can pray for it. Two, all of our future deacons will pray for it. Three, all of our leaders will pray for it. And finally, every person in church will pray for it. And if we have a two or three or four page prayer list, that list will be in every home. Every GGCF member will be able to pray day and night For the perseverance of God's people. Second, I want an MIA list. On the military, when someone goes MIA, it's dangerous. That means missing in action. We're always serving God. We're always in the line of battle. And you know what? Sometimes people get hurt. Not physically. They get hurt emotionally. They get wounded spiritually. And they go, I'm not going back to that church. I'm never going there again because Pastor Stenham ignored me. He didn't shake my hand. He didn't hug me. I'm sorry. Don't scream, honestly. You know, if I missed you one Sunday, I'll get you the next. I promise. People get hurt like that. And here's the thing. If someone's not here and I don't see it, I'm blind as well as deaf. It's okay. If I don't see you're missing, if I get a little note slid to me, Sister so-and-so was gone today. I don't know why. Brother so-and-so was not here. I don't know why. Then I can get on the phone and I can call Brother so-and-so. Hey, What happened? Are you okay? We thought you dropped dead or something. He says, no, no, I took a vacation without telling anybody. That's good. You know why? Because then he knows I love him. He knows that I care because I I gave him a call. Right? How amazing if we show that kind of love for everybody. And if members visit, if people visit the church, and and we know that they're just passing through town, we send them a little note and says, thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. Thanks for showing up. But if they're new to the community, that's our chance to extend that hand of Christian fellowship and say, hey, if you find that this is the place where God is bringing you, we want to welcome you to the church and anything we can do to help, let us know. Isn't that amazing? That we can do such simple things and bless people in Christ's name. Understand this word earnestly. This is an intense word. Guys, do we love our our wives sort of? Do we... Kind of like them. You know, because some guys could walk in the house and see their wife and say nothing, and they could work in their office for 20 hours and then walk out the door and say nothing. Some men are just absent-minded. It happens. But when you love somebody intensely, you make an effort to touch them or contact them. My wife sometimes wishes I loved her less intently. Because if, if you could dust my wife, there'd be fingerprints everywhere. Because I'm always touching her, hugging or whatever. Makes her nuts. It's okay. I don't mind. Here's the thing. We should leave fingerprints on everybody in our church. In fact, if you could dust most people in here for fingerprints, you would find my fingerprints on, I think, half of you today. <laughs> a couple of folks got more than a few fingerprints on them. It's okay. But that's it. We should leave that impression on people, the impression of our love, our concern, our care, our prayers. We can leave that on each other, and it's so important. That's the sincere purpose of the church, to build each other up in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, let's finish this thing up today. So, how is your recovery coming along, all you recovering sin addicts? You know, you've all been delivered from sin. Christ has set you free, but that recovery is an ongoing process because the devil is your enemy and he will constantly be trying to draw you back in. If your weakness is your pride, he'll keep trying to boost your pride. If your weakness is women, he will keep putting them in your path. If your weakness is boys, just say no and run home. Just kidding. Anyway, hey, I'm working. I'm a dad. Okay, I got to work this out. How's your recovery coming along? Because nobody is ever fully recovered from sin. Nobody, not even the pastor, no matter how long they've been a pastor, is free from the temptation of sin. And that's how Satan works it. So one, are you 100% committed to the work of being transformed? Are you absolutely willing to let go of anything that keeps you from being less than God made you to be? I knew a guy once gave up his job. He was making... $200,000 a year. Only problem was he had to lie in his business. He had to lie to customers. He had to lie to clients. Not big lies, little lies. Is there a difference? I don't think so. He had to lie in his business. When he got saved, after a very short time, he had to quit that $200,000 a year job because he couldn't lie anymore. He could not look a client in the face and tell them what wasn't true. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to give up anything that keeps you from following Christ? Are you willing to let go of some friends who might be taking you in the wrong direction? Are you willing to let go of some relationships that may not be very healthy? Men and women, I will tell you this. It is easy to get caught up in unhealthy relationships with other people. I'm not just talking about you know, extramarital affairs. I'm not just talking about that stuff. I'm saying, ladies, some of y'all are in unhealthy relationships with other ladies. Because the other lady that you're hooked up with, she's a griper, she's a complainer, and she's so negative, she's rubbing off on you. You may need to get away from that relationship a little bit before you get contaminated by that negative attitude. Remember, you can love people that are not saved. Most of my family's not saved. I still love them. You can love people that are not saved, but you cannot surround yourself and make as your closest friends those who are not believers in Christ because you will bend to them before they bend to you. You understand what I'm saying? Just say amen because I know you do. Two, are you mindful of the price that Christ paid for your freedom of, from sin's domination? Christ set you free, but it cost him. That means walking in freedom will cost you. I know a lot of recovering alcoholics can't go to parties anymore. Can't go to a friend's house anymore. Can't go to birthday parties because all their friends are drunks, just like they used to be. And they have to break some of those relationships if they want to stay sober. It's a heavy price to pay. But if you want to be free, you've got to stay free of the things that used to enslave you. Three, is loving your fellow man so that you might lead him to Christ, your sincere purpose in life? When you meet somebody, is your only concern what you can get from them? Or is your concern what you can give to them, which is Christ? Think about that one. A lot of times we make friends with people that can bless us. Now, back when I was a kid in Michigan, we had a thing called Godparents. Y'all got them in the Philippines? Okay, Godparents. You know what a Godparent is? A Godparent is someone who is a devout believer in Jesus Christ. And your hope is if anything happens to you, they will raise your child to love Jesus Christ. That's what it was back when I was a kid, back when we lived in caves and wore lion skins. But you know what a godparent is today? You find the richest person in your church you can find, the person with the most money. Would you be my child's godparent? And do you know why you do that? It's not because it's not because you're afraid if you die, your kid won't know Jesus. What you want is when that kid goes to school, you want them to pay for it. You want them to foot the bill. You're giving them the honor of being a godparent. All you want to do is suck away their money. I get news for you. That doesn't bless the heart of Jesus. That really doesn't. Don't do that, please. And don't ask me because I'm broke. <laughs> a little pitch there. Anyways, third, if these things are true, If you're 100% committed, if you are mindful of the price that Christ paid for you, if you are willing to love your fellow man to give them Jesus, then you are a successfully recovering, that's an ongoing process, you are a recovering sin addict, and you can praise God today. Amen? Amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. Nobody looking around, please. Nobody looking around, nobody peeking. Okay, I see those eyes. Close those eyes. Thank you. Okay, is there anybody here today, just by slipping up your hand, would want to say, Pastor, I I do struggle a little bit with wanting to go back to that lifestyle. If there's anybody here that says, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I kind of feel tempted to go back to that lifestyle of what I want, where I need to be, what's going to bless me. I see that hand. Thank you. Put it down. I see those hands. Thank you. Lord, today I want to pray for these people. Father God, I lift before you your saints. Your struggling saints, Lord, who have been delivered by the blood of your Son. And yet, God, Satan has whispered in their ears. He has put a tag on them. He is pulling on them. He wants them to come back into the world, to give back in to that selfish lifestyle. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cast out this spirit of submission. And Father God, this day, in the name of Christ... We deliver your people again from the domination of Satan. Father God, we know that Satan has no strength but the lie. He has no power but the lie. And Father, today we rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, fall fresh on your saints today. Father God, fall fresh on your people. Now, Lord God, I pray if there's one person here today, any person here today, Lord, who has never accepted you as Lord and Savior. Father God, they have never said to you that I am a sinner and I need to be saved by the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray if that person is here today, that, that, that by raising their hand, they would show you that they need salvation. Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to accept you, God, from their heart, may they pour out a prayer to you, to accept you as Lord and Savior, that they might be saved, that they might go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I praise you for who you are and what you have done this day. Lord, continue to be with us in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. 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 God bless you, church. And if there's anybody that has any questions about what we talked about today, either being free from sin, recovering, or how to know Christ, I'm going to be here, so hunt me down. That's what I love to do. I love to talk about my Jesus. Amen. So we, need, we have some other things to do, so let's go ahead and keep going.